This is the Joe and Amber podcast. That was the moment that Joe Fortenbaugh discovered that spite is the way to go in life. <laughs> forgiveness is not how you should yes. live. Apparently forgiveness. forgiveness is not how you should live. Uh, apparently spite, <laughs> at least in terms of the betting world, uh, it's spite bet is the bet that paid off for Joe. We are down Multiple one seeds now to remain in this tournament. Lots of upsets we have seen along the way. Viewership, though, not one of the upsets of this tournament so far. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. Joe, viewership up 2% from last year's highest first round or from last year's first round average. It's the highest, actually, the first round Average was since 2016. So viewership overall, though, up 2% from just last year. And I wonder, because there's always so much made about the perennial programs, right? The blue bloods. Well, this thing is blue blood thin at this point. And people are still watching. And you always question, are the upsets really good? You know, do you really want the fairly Dickinson's of the world to advance? Is that actually good for the viewership? It appears at least early that it is. Big picture it is because that's what makes this tournament special. If this was a chalky tournament where every single year the best teams knocked off the unknowns or the inferior teams, then it wouldn't have the magic that it brings each and every year. So you're right. If Fairleigh Dickinson was in the final against a team like, I don't know, let's just call Creighton out there, right? I don't even know if that would have matched up. In fact, it wouldn't have from the brackets. But let's just say that's the case. That's not going to do the rating that Duke versus Kentucky or North Carolina versus Kansas would do. We all understand that. But from the big picture viewpoint of the tournament itself, each and every year, that's the excitement. The 12 over the 5, the 13 over the 4, Princeton taking out Arizona and then going on to beat Missouri. That FDU um, Florida Atlantic game yesterday was awesome. Florida Atlantic was supposed to be a darling that took out Purdue, and instead when Purdue got rocked by Fairleigh Dickinson, Florida Atlantic somehow finds its way into the role of the big bad favorite with everyone rooting on Fairleigh Dickinson. And down the stretch, you could tell how many people, if you're following along on social media, media we're pulling for the underdog that's what makes this tournament magical yes Kentucky North Carolina Kansas they can come out they can run the table they can win the tournament and long term or short term I should say that's going to deliver big ratings numbers but if that's the type of thing that happens in every matchup every year the tournament loses its luster I mean I love the upsets give me more of them and I love the stories inside the upsets FAU beat FDU 78 to 70 the coach of FAU I believe makes something like $700,000 a year something something upwards of that He's made more in, as I understand it, in bonuses than he makes in salary, like significantly <laughs> more this season. Because he actually yeah, had they a probably sweet write 16. those in and they're like, he'll never earn these. He'll never hit it. He had a sweet 16 bonus in his contract from what was being reported. And I'm sure when FAU put, sure, buddy, we'll put that in your contract. Sure, you're going to make a sweet 16, you know? And here they are paying all this money because FAU finds itself in a sweet 16. I love stories like that. Jay Billis, he's ESPN's college basketball analyst. He was on Get Up and he was asked, though are these upsets good for the sport that's sort of a matter of taste i mean this is a this is a tournament and you have 68 teams you don't have the 68 best teams because you have automatic qualifiers for some of these smaller conferences so it's incredibly inclusive 
And it's incredibly fair. Everybody has a chance to get in as an automatic qualifier against their peers by winning their conference tournament. So the truth is everybody's in. And then once you get there, uh, you have to win. Uh, so it's sort of the Tiger Woods theory. Uh, is, is it better for golf if Tiger Woods uh, is playing his best, or would you rather see other players do well? Uh, I don't know the right answer there. Those are matters of taste. Well, I think well, that one's golf, easy. It's Tiger Woods. <laughs> that one's easy. You I, want the you want yeah. the blue bloods and you want Tiger Woods in contention. You want them there because they kind of drive the revenue, they drive the story, they are the Goliath. But you also need the Davids. You need Tiger Woods in the final four, maybe. Maybe he's in that last group, maybe he's not. But then maybe there's a young upstart named Jordan Speed that you've kind of heard of. And I'm talking a few years ago, obviously, not now. Speed is a superstar that could kind of make a run at it. That's what you want to see overall. Why do we think Rocky Four is the greatest of all the Rockies? Because Rocky took out the Russian. That's why it's the greatest. It was the most daunting of all the challenges for Rocky, and it was the ultimate of the underdog stories. Yes, I know when they say one when he took on Creed, but when you go down the line and you see the Russian you down a versus Rocky Creed, rabbit hole right now. Yeah, but it, it, people <laughs> driving around right now are saying Joe Fordenball is making sense. We can get behind this analogy because he's an everyman laying out an everyman analogy, and that's what we do around these parts. That's what makes the tournament. Billis doesn't need to dissect it for uh, up set versus blue blood you can have all of it you can have woods in contention with some guys you've never heard of before it's what makes it awesome you can get a little bit of everything it's not yeah, binary. you need it all you need it all because you need the names that you recognize you know you're absolutely right you need the emotional attachment that you have whether you love them or you hate them to the programs that you recognize but then you also need the fairly dickinsons of the world that most of us probably aren't familiar with whatsoever to come in and be able to challenge those other programs that you are familiar with like it's all you can have it all when you have a field this big and that's what's fun about it i think the problem with the golf analogy is like jordan spieth wasn't and a 16 seed, you know, like Jordan, it's not like so crazy that Jordan Spieth became good. Right. It, I think what you would need is like when an amateur wins a major, right? Like that's what you need in order to have the comparison with the madness of March. And that's, what's so great about these small schools. But I think even in this tournament, because we don't have the blue bloods now in this tournament, but we still have big names. And I don't know if you really need the blue bloods. Like I bulk against that. I think that you need the big names. And even if it's programs that aren't typically big names in that sport, like Alabama, but they're a big name this season. They're the best team this season, right? They're a one seed for a reason. And so even just having that the team that you are familiar with the team that you've heard of even if they aren't the traditional team and they're certainly not a blue blood team you expect them to be here and be in the mix to have them and the teams that you haven't heard of that you didn't have any idea had any sort of prayer in the world and that's what makes it so fun two points number one up the formula is very simple upsets early studs late all right give us the upsets early on the first weekend so we can enjoy some of that magic and then late in the dance you want to see the stud teams duking it out that's how you get the best of both worlds upsets early star teams late number two the reason you need the blue bloods is not because they're likable it's because they're hateable that's the key People love Kentucky, but people also hate Kentucky. People hate North Carolina. They hate Duke. They hate Indiana. They hate Kansas. 
That's the key. That's why you need the Yankees to make a deep run because just as many people hate him as love him. That's why you need Dallas to make a deep run because just as many people love him as hate him. That's why you want Notre Dame to make a deep run because just as many people hate him as they do love him. A team like Alabama, Houston, yeah, they've got some likability, but they don't have the hate factor. That's what the Blue Bloods bring to the table. That's what makes them special and unique because just as many people hate him as love him. At least Alabama doesn't have the hate factor when it comes to basketball. Uh, at least not yeah, yet. A different sport. Uh, coming up next, the Lions have had a good offseason, but have they put themselves in position to win the NFC? One person thinks so. We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. A lot of people, Joe, think that we have dream jobs. And I'm here to tell them 99% of the time they're right. It's a dream job to be sitting here and doing what we're doing, right? It's a heck of a lot of fun. We get to shoot the bleep about sports with our friends. But I will tell you, the downside of my job is that during commercial breaks now, I have to hear five straight minutes sometimes of you and James Steele drone on and on about wrestling. Professional wrestling, Hmm. you know, WWE wrestling, that type. I mean, you don't, just in time, just really get it. Who do you think is going to win that? Who do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you call somebody who wrote the script and we'll find out, guys. You don't have to. You get to. That's yeah. the difference. You not seem to understand <laughs> and then, that. And then our board on Rachel's Free asking content. follow-up questions. I'm yes. yelling at her. Like, don't encourage this madness. What is happening? Also, James, forget about all this. Why don't you break the news to the public who doesn't know about the announcement yep. that was just made for oh, WrestleMania? What gosh, match was just announced? We're, we're getting the Usos, the tag team champions, against Sammy, Zayn, and Kevin Owens. And that could potentially be the main event for night one of WrestleMania this year. You know, like I, I said, kids, let me, dream jobs have their limits, you know? Let me float the idea that I could go for the rest of this show talking about that match. If you okay. like, Amber, we can go right. ahead and break that down over the next 45 minutes. Noted. Uh, noted. And, and the answer is no. Uh, Triple H say ESPN. On. Triple H say ESPN if that's what NFL. you want. Triple H say ESPN. Quickly, Just wait until the week before. As quickly as we So... Let's talk about the NFC because Dan Orlovsky, he's always good for the content. And he said that a certain team could win the NFC this season that I'm not sure any of us are thinking much about. This is Dan Orlovsky from SportsCenter. 
Detroit is sitting there right now with the additions that they made in the first week and the picks that they have. And if Brad Holmes, their general manager, hits on these picks like he did in his first couple drafts, Detroit not only is going to be in the conversation to win the NFC North, they're going to be in the conversation to win the NFC. So not just in contention to win the division, but win the entire conference, Joe. My problem with this is I feel like we do this with the Lions. Like, it was super trendy last season going into the season to be really high on the Lions. I felt like some of that's like the hard knocks effect and the Dan Campbell effect where people really like him. And so people feel like that the Lions were going to be better than they were. I didn't get it this past season. I was never particularly high on the Lions. They're fine. They're trending the right direction. I saw some stuff from Jared Goff I didn't expect to see, frankly. He surprised me. He was better than I thought he was going to be this past season in Detroit. But, all right, like they're they're a team going the right direction. I don't have them winning the NFC yet. Uh, Orlovsky emptying the clip early in the offseason. I will tell you that you are going to be inundated with Pro Lions and Pro Jaguars takes all offseason, especially in the summer. When everyone's looking for the sleeper, the trendy team, all you're going to hear about is the Lions and the Jaguars. So I'm going to throw that out there right now. Let's start with Vegas and how they assess the Lions. And they assess them quite comfortably. The Lions are the favorites to win their division at plus 155. That's a $100 bet, returns 155 in profit. Minnesota second, Bears third. The Aaron Rodgers less Green Bay Packers, which is what we're all assuming at this point. He'll, he'll, I'm sure, give us an update on McAfee later this week. They come in last at plus 425. As for the odds to win the NFC, the Niners are your favorite, followed by Philadelphia, followed by Dallas, followed by Detroit. Hmm. So let's just start right there. The Lions are considered, by Vegas, they are priced to be one of the top four teams in the NFC. So before we talk about winning the NFC, do you see them being one of the top four teams in the NFC? No. Remember, the NFC is down a little bit. They, all right, they were down last year as well. I mean, I, I understand that they're about to be more down if Aaron Rodgers is departing for the AFC, which we're all assuming. I have no idea how good Jordan Love's going to be there, but I don't have a huge problem with thinking that Detroit is in a good position to win that division. I just think when we're looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and you're talking about a New York Giants team that surprised people last season, I'm not saying that they're going to win the NFC, but I'm just saying when we're talking about teams – that are bringing a lot of pieces back. The Vikings, I mean, I under, I know that they're not a postseason team, but we're just ignoring the team that with 13 wins, for regular season wins from last season. We're just going to skip over them. The rest of it, like the Saints are interesting because what are they going to look like now with Derek Carr? They could theoretically take a huge leap, even if I'm not one who's super high up on the Saints. Uh, beyond them, the 49ers, if they're healthy, would be one of those teams. Could the Rams look different now that they're healthy? I tend to think that that window has closed, uh, but there could be an argument made otherwise. The Seattle Seahawks with nine wins from last season, can they capitalize on that? I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be in that conversation, the same conversation anyways that the Detroit Lions could be in. I just want to note that we are getting lots of calls of people who want to talk WrestleMania, Triple H, say ESPN. Back to the conversation at hand, though, regarding the Detroit Lions. Here's where some people get very intrigued by them. Last year, they started 1-6. and six, They closed 8-2. and two. Recency bias. People remember the Lions playing very well down the stretch last season. They think they're poised to take the next step. I look at it a little bit differently. They are a slow-starting team under Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. Year one, they opened 0-10-1 through their first 11 games. Then they went 3-3 three and three down the stretch. Last year was the same thing. Opened 1-6, and six, closed 8-2. and two. 
They need to start faster if they want to have a shot at this thing. They need to start faster. Number two, defensively, they were dreadful last season. Dead last in the NFL in opponent yards per play. They were giving up 6.2 yards per play on defense. That has to improve. They were also 28th in scoring defense, giving up 25 points per game. Enter free agency, where they signed safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson away from the Philadelphia Eagles. Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley away from the San Francisco 49ers. They brought in another safety in Graham Glasgow and another corner in Cameron Sutton. So they have beefed up their secondary in an attempt to, to, to rectify some of these issues they have had on defense. Now, if the defense improves, this is the big question. You start faster. Defense is better. Team's got some experience now in year three under Dan Campbell. How far can Jared Goff take you? How far can Jared Goff take you once you get to the postseason, Amber Wilson? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, none of us know the answer to that, right? Like, I mean, we know, take like, we know what it looked <laughs> like when kidding. he was with the Rams, right? I, 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 I would think that Jared Goff has shown enough to show us that, yeah, if the right team's around him, then he's one of those quarterbacks that isn't going to be a top-tier quarterback elevating the talent around him, but I'm not surprised that he's the guy right now in Detroit because I think he has shown enough, and frankly, shown enough with a much lesser Lions team, and so you would feel like moving forward, fine. Like if the pieces are around him, like are, am I underrating this team? Cause I agree with you. I think that this is going to be the trendy pick once again, and that we are about to spend an entire summer hearing that the lions and the Jags. I, I also think that that's a fair assessment from the AFC that those are, you know, the sleeper teams that are the trendy pick that everyone's going to be super high on. I don't think you're underrating them so much as you, you're not appreciating just how, week the nfc is eagles cowboys yes they're legit giants washington eh. bears vikings uh packers eh. i mean the vikings will be good the vikings will probably win nine or ten games but they are going to regress everything's pointing towards regression for them from an analytic standpoint carolina tampa new orleans atlanta not a lot of people getting out of bed for those teams looks like the rams have a lot of issues they traded away jalen ramsey stafford all banged up Arizona stinks. Seattle probably takes a step back. Niners look good, but possibly not great because of the quarterback situation. There's no real juggernaut. And there's certainly not the depth that you see in the AFC. That's the thing to analyze when you're talking about the Lions. Not so much them. It's the lack of competition in the conference. Twenty, Yeah, 29 touchdowns for Jared Goff last season. Seven interceptions. About 4,400 yards from him last season. We will see. They certainly have done some moves here to try to beef up that defense. And I do imagine that Joe is correct, that we're about to enter uh, a summer where we will be hearing a lot about the Detroit Lions. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, should should Joel Embiid, NBA, be the MVP? James also says on my screen, we're taking wrestling calls. We're not. Joe and Amber, the podcast. going to get into the NBA MVP race in just moments because for a long time there it didn't seem like it was a race at all it seemed like Jokic had that thing locked up but boy has that changed of late but first I'm being bullied into getting to the phone calls because 
Triple Eight say ESPN. That's how you join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. And we always appreciate when you do. 888-729-3776. I'm not really looking forward to this next call, though, because James, James is in Goldsboro, North Carolina, which is very important to our producer, James Steele, who also lived in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and is named James. So they have uh, found some common ground. The other common ground is that they both like wrestling James Thanks for joining us. What do you want to talk about with WrestleMania? What's the hate? It's a great question. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Where well, do I begin? Hate? Where do I begin? I mean, listen, I just it is lost on me. I did uh I did do a bit on my local show because I have some sort of weird affinity for winding up in life with co-hosts that are wrestling fans. And so I did do a bit on my local show for years because when I was in Miami hosting a local radio show for many years, my co-host was a big wrestling fan to the point where he has a wrestling podcast to this day. And so there was a period of time. He's one of the nerd wrestling guys. I'm one of the cool ones. Just ridiculous. Important to note that. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, And and so I ended up having to watch. We did this bit where I had to watch wrestling every week, and I still do not understand it. I just don't get it. I appreciate the people who partake in it i will call them athletes where the stuff they do the lives they lead are unbelievably insane the travel schedules the training all of it's wild and crazy i don't get it when you actually watch it and don't get how the adults are buying into it here's what's insane your disregard for something we like however two weeks ago when you went skiing in Vail, all we did was ask you are you having a nice time how's the snow are you enjoying your trip That's your coworkers taking an interest in things you enjoy. Hey, James, when was the last time you went skiing in Vail? Uh, That would be never. Same here. Never. Yet, despite the fact that James (laughs) and I do not ski in Vail, we still took an interest and supported you. Here's something we're interested in, and you can't crap on us fast enough at every turn. Shame on, on you. You even yelled at Rachel for asking a question about well, it. That's true. Too. Poor Rachel getting yelled at for taking was, an interest. I mean, taking she was encouraging the conversation. Uh, on one of these matches, I watched once a wrestler take another guy's head and beat it into the stairs and like his eyeball like exploded out of his face. And then, okay. and then he, but then he like wrestled like. It was the Thunderdome days. We don't, I mean, they had, to, they had to generate some interest whenever there weren't any fans around anyway. <laughs> Can't so. have everything well, going the right way. Not all of them are it winners. Was. A little unpredictable at times. Not all of them are winners. <laughs> yeah, not all of them Guys, he got back favorably. in the ring and he was wrestling. Yeah. Like, nothing. Yeah, well, that's what they do. Yeah, They're not, what is he going to do? You're not going to call timeout. You're not going to ski into the lodge and have a hot chocolate like you would in Vail. You keep going. It's about perseverance. The show must go on. And as someone who's in show business, you should know. Mm-hmm. You should know better. Well, to each their own. I will say wrestlers are certainly entertainers. And I had enough of them on my local show over the years to know that they are very good radio guests. So I will give you that. Also good radio oh, yeah. guests are some NBA players at times. Joel Embiid has a big personality. He's one of those. Giannis Antetokounmpo as well. He's one of those. He's part of this MVP race. Nikola Jokic, though, for a while, looked like he was running away with this thing. And that has certainly changed. Let's start with the odds here, Joe, because you were telling me quite a dramatic shift here over the last week. 
Big time. Just in the last couple weeks, we, you and I had this conversation like two weeks ago, whether or not anyone can make a run. We kind of talked about Embiid and Giannis, but it was mostly Jokic and his place in history. It wasn't Jokic and his place this season against the rest of the NBA. He was a favorite in the neighborhood of, say, minus 350, which means you're risking $350 to win 100. That's a sizable favorite. Now, fast forward to last week when we update the odds. Embiid comes surging on strong. Denver had been on a four-game losing streak, and suddenly they're both minus-110 co-favorites. And you're saying to yourself, my God, in the eyes of Vegas, it looks like Embiid has a shot at this thing. Now, one week later, not even, Embiid is a minus-250 favorite with Jokic plus-175 in the second position. So Embiid has now moved into the role of sizable favorite. Still about 10 games to go. They are going to face each other, I believe, this Saturday in what will be a huge game. And then Jokic has another huge showdown, I believe, with Giannis in a couple weeks. So that will have an impact. But, man, Joel Embiid is your favorite to win the MVP right now, and it's not particularly close. And it seems ridiculous to me because... Jokic by the numbers we're all essentially handing him the MVP for so many months and then the Nuggets go on a little bit of a skid like not even a big one but a little bit of a skid they start dropping games had nothing to do with Jokic Jokic's numbers were still unbelievable and that seems to have been what has changed everything and then Joel Embiid's play over the last month here has really dramatically come on board as well it's 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 not so different from last season, right? Like last season, we we're having the same conversation. People were screaming from the mountaintops last season that it should be Joel Embiid. I felt like this season, the argument for Joel wasn't nearly as strong. And the argument for Giannis, Giannis has been playing phenomenally as of late, but he also had some injuries this season that cost him some time, which is why he had fallen out of that conversation earlier. Jokic, though... Last night, triple-double. Dominant triple-double. Like, 22 points, 17 boards, 10 assists, triple-double. Just like another casual triple-double from Jokic. Barely even makes a headline when Jokic is putting up those kinds of numbers. I do wonder if there's going to be a backlash against Jokic, though, because this would be his third. We're... In a vacuum, voters would be looking at him in the me advanced metrics and the numbers and be saying, okay, well, we would give that guy the MVP. Although, we just gave that guy the MVP two other times, and there's only three other players in NBA history ever to have won three back-to-back, -back, neither of those being Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, arguably the players that people think are the greatest to ever do it. We can't put Nikola Jokic in that conversation. What is it? It's Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Legend are the three that yes. have done it. And that's, that's the handicap here. That's why some bettors are starting to sidle up to Embiid because they feel that the voters might take on this gatekeeper role, which I believe is absolutely ridiculous. And I'll give you an example of what the gatekeeper means. We saw this with the NFL Hall of Fame not too long ago. Terrell Owens, who by every conceivable standard is a first ballot Hall of Famer, mm -hmm. didn't get in the first time. Why? Because there is a distinction between being a first ballot Hall of Famer and a Hall of Famer. There's levels to this, as they say. And a first ballot Hall of Famer is better than a regular Hall of Famer. And the guys who are in charge of voting people in didn't like Terrell Owens because of the way he treated the media during his career, so they stuck it to him to prove a point. But guess what? A year later, after he still hadn't played any football, he was suddenly good enough to get into the Hall of Fame. That is Bush League. Bush League at the highest level. And that's what some people are worried about here if you feel Jokic is deserving. I'm not saying Embiid is not deserving. The point is some might vote against Jokic solely because they don't want him to claim 
He won three straight MVPs like Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell. They don't want him in that category. They don't feel he's earned it, so they might vote against him because of that. I think that's Bush League. If you vote for Embiid because you feel Embiid is better and more valuable, fine. But if you're voting against Jokic strictly because you don't want him historically to have that with his legacy, that's Bush League. That's you going against your responsibility as a voter. Well, one person who does not think that Embiid is better or deserving this season over Jokic is George Carl. The former NBA head coach was on Sirius XM NBA. He had this to say. For me, I don't want to badmouth Embiid because I think he's really, really good. I mean, a lot of my assistant coaches were in Philadelphia when he was a young player, and they kept telling me he's going to be the best guy ever to play the game, best big guy ever to play yeah. the game. I, I see him moving in that direction, but he takes, I don't know, he takes too many possessions off. He has lazy body language. He gets angry at things that we don't understand why. I just don't know if he's that, that NBA, NBA pro that we all love because he's a competitive SOB and he. But, you know, from what I know in Philadelphia, everybody says he's playing great. The games I've seen, he has played really, really well. He's played great in the fourth quarters with a lot of comeback wins. Uh, So I I just think it might be my, you know, I can can only like one big guy, and I'm going to take Jokic over Embiid. George Carl there, I feel like, is just sort of echoing an old-school sentiment, though, too, also. Like, play hard, play tough. Like, you know, let's get gritty. Don't take any plays off. I feel like some of that's just old-school mentality, and Joel and me probably does take some plays off, but so do all these guys, frankly. How many plays can you take off relative to the rest of the NBA when you're number one in scoring, number nine in rebounding, number six in blocks, and 15th in defensive win shares? By the way, (laughs) Jokic in defensive win shares is 40th right now. So he doesn't even stack up on the defensive end. So, George, I like George Carl. He used to come on my show all the time in San Francisco. Great guy. But how many plays can you possibly take off when you lead the NBA in scoring, ninth in rebounds, sixth in blocks? Like, it, okay, maybe he takes some plays off. What's the average amount of plays taken off by an NBA player? I remember when James Harden was competing for the MVP. James Harden never played defense at all, but he, he was, was still incredible it. on the <laughs> offensive end. Embiid yeah. leads the league in scoring, and he's still top 15 in defensive win shares. Like, what more do you want? Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. It'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. I mean, I'm just excited that I guess it is an MVP race, even though I felt like this was the season out of the last three seasons that, frankly, Jokic deserved it the most. It'll be interesting that this is probably the season now that he's not going to end up winning it when maybe the arguments were stronger last season that Joel should have won it over Jokic. Coming up next, your turn to weigh in. We are opening up the phone lines. Do you want to talk NFL free agency? NBA MVP race. WrestleMania. Oh, goodness. Triple H, say ESPN 888-729-3776. The phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Phone lines are a-popping. Really hoping not all of you want to talk about wrestling. Triple H, say ESPN 888 <laughs> 729-3776. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. We are about to get to your phone calls. So Gerald, Brian, JJ, everybody, hang on for me. But first, Joe's got to try to earn you a little bit more money. Let's do it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. 
Double Dipper to close out the night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern on the ice. Two parts. Number one, Edmonton minus 140 on the puck line, which means they need to win by two or more goals over the San Jose Sharks. Edmonton's red hot. They've won seven of nine, during which time they've had a plus 11 goal differential. More importantly, they're number one in the NHL in scoring. Taking on a San Jose team that is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. 30th in goals allowed. They've lost 14 of their last 16 games, and those 14 losses have come by two and a half goals per game. So pizza money number, I believe this is four, Edmonton on the puck line, minus 140 over San Jose. Bonus bet in here as well, Edmonton's Connor McDavid, you may have heard of him, he's the best in the business, over three and a half shots on goal, minus 130. He's hit that mark in 22 of his last 30 games and should have plenty of opportunities tonight against the Sharks. Connor McDavid over three and a half shots on goal. 13 black odd, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's spin that wheel. Brian, Brian is in South Carolina. Brian, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the big deal about... Wrestling, why don't you like wrestling? Yep. You don't have no favorite wrestler? Great call. Outstanding um, call right I, there. I don't. Now, who I is your favorite, favorite wrestler? A favorite wrestler, uh, Hulk Hogan. That's a good one. He's from Florida. He's from Florida. I've seen him here. I, I swam in a swimming pool once when I was a kid with him and what? his family in Clearwater, Florida. So there you go. Hulk Hogan. He's my favorite. Let's, oh, oh, <laughs> we're going to need a couple no, follow-ups No, I mean, on it that. wasn't like a story. I was like at the same hotel as like him and his kids. You know? Oh, I thought yeah. you were over like, at his house swimming in his personal pool. No. Like, how do yeah, you that's know what Hulk Hogan like, and you hate yeah. wrestling? She really did sell that story. differently. Yeah, yeah. I was once at Disney World when Michael Jordan was there. Me and Michael Jordan know each other. Can you imagine if I was just sitting on that this whole time with you guys and I'm just sitting on the information that like me and Hulk Hogan are BFFs? I would be be asking the administrators to move you to a different show. That's probably what would end up happening. If you were just sitting on that for this long. (laughs) I'd be like, guys, I'm not into wrestling, though. Like, I don't know who this Hulk guy is. Let's spin the wheel. Our friend Terrence. Our friend Terrence is in Georgia. Terrence, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Hey guys. Uh, with the free agent market, the Giants need a wide out. Bring back Odell Beckham Jr. I I, I don't see why not. Yeah, which I te- mean, which team was he talking about? The Giants. He's saying okay. the Giants should bring in Odell Beckham Jr. I've seen quite a few teams floated in terms of on the OBJ sweepstakes, Joe. I think if you're the Giants, I like OBJ. I think he's a talent. I, I think that he's one of those guys that I think he's viewed one way by the media and people on the outside, and then on the inside, people genuinely love him. His teammates absolutely love him. It's kind of like, uh, damn, there's an analogy. Someone in the NBA, Kyrie Irving's like that too. Like on the outside, mm-hmm. people look at him in a certain way, but teammates seem to love him. I don't know if the Giants want the Odell Beckham Jr. show coming to New York. They're building something new. They're going relatively young. They've got Daniel Jones. If things don't work out and OBJ's not getting the ball, is he going to cause an issue? I don't know from a cultural standpoint if you want him in there now because you're trying to build something that's relatively fragile at this point. But talent-wise, you know, I hope he lands somewhere because I love watching the guy play. I mean, he will land somewhere. The top landing spots I'm still seeing as of a couple days ago, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, I think the teams that – 
tend to have that need where you could bring in a guy that's high risk, high reward, because even if he doesn't pan out, they'll be just fine either way. There's only so much reliance that they would have on OBJ. And then also it seems like OBJ would want to go to a contender. So there's that portion of this story as well. Maybe he'd take a discount in order to do so on, you know, a very short term deal and show us what he's got coming off of that injury. Let's spin the wheel. Gerald, Gerald is in Wisconsin. Gerald, go ahead. What do you have for us? Hey, first off, just to stay on topic here, former indie pro wrestler, Gerald. Um, Thank you for your service. um, Hey, man, you got it. Um, But um, I hear a lot or haven't heard a lot about Giannis for the MVP. Hear him a little bit. Um, Biggest knock I generally hear on him is that he is Oh, uh, wins above replacement. I mean, I don't think it's really his fault that the team could probably win 55 games without him. But with him, if it weren't for Chris Middleton getting hurt, they should be going for the third straight championship. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything that anybody is saying to take away from Giannis. I think, honestly, the whole reason that Giannis wasn't at the top of the discussion, at the top of the odds for MVP this season, Joe, was he had kind of fallen out of that discussion when he did miss some time there with injury. Uh, But Giannis is phenomenal. He's playing phenomenal basketball. I mean, nobody says otherwise. I also think with Giannis, sometimes it's a little bit of, like, expectation fatigue. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people think Giannis is the best player in the league, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, he's the best player in the league. It's the same sort of thing that happens why LeBron deserves so many more MVPs than he ever won or why MJ did as well. It kind of happens to sometimes these generational greats like that. I mean, he's the best defender of the three, Jokic and Bede and Giannis, and he's also averaging 31-12-5 this season. So he's a very worthy candidate on the number one seed in the East who happens to be the favorite to win the NBA title. So he's right there in the mix. I think he should probably get a little bit more credit than he does, but it feels like this year is about either Jokic's place in history with three in a row or Embiid taking him out. I don't think Giannis has woven his way into the narrative the way that he needs to in order to win the award, but you never know what the voters are going to do. Well, in the last two seasons, uh, Joel has finished second behind Jokic, so I think that factors in as well where people feel like and Bede's finally going to get the one that he deserves. Let's spin the wheel. JJ's in Albany. JJ, you got 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll tell you why Embiid is the MVP. Because Jokic is rebounding however he's rebounding. But how much do rebounds count in the National Basketball Association in the regular season? Is it really worth anything? I mean, it's more worth it to me that Embiid can score a game winner, right? Thanks for the call, JJ. A lot of people say that about Jokic's game, right? A lot of people love the categories. You're looking at the metrics. You're looking at all of the different categories. And yet, the fan doesn't always uh, put the same level of importance on some of those categories as others. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.